Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. Episode 209. I am your humble host, Thomas Rosland Weiberg Thun, and tonight we continue the tale of the Hillside Stranglers, Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bono. We left off last episode with a lead-up to one of their first major murders. In this episode, we take a closer look at what happened and more. Enjoy. This episode, like all other sagas told by me, would not be possible without my loyal Patreonies. They are Lisbeth, Cassandra, Russell, Lisa, Cody, Cathy, James... Corbin, Kylie, Niao, Sabina, Val, Marilyn, Craig, Emily, Missy, Jonathan, Lance, Susanna, the Duggletons, Jennifer, Lunavar, D-Mac, Cheryl, Richard, Robert, Brad, Laurie, Manuel, Samira, Kathy, and your boy Frank. You are truly the backbone of the Serial Killer podcast, and without you, there would be no show. Thank you. I am forever grateful for my elite TSK Producers Club, and I want to show you that your patronage is not given in vain. All TSK episodes will be available 100% ad-free to my TSK Producers Club on patreon.com slash theserialkillerpodcast. No generic ads, no ad reads, no jingles. I promise. And of course, if you wish to donate $15 a month, that's only seven fifty per episode, 
You are more than welcome to join the ranks of the TSK Producers Club too. So don't miss out and join now. The so-called strip began just past Fairfax Avenue at Schwab's Pharmacy, where actress Lana Turner was supposed to have been discovered in her sweater. The old Garden of Allah Hotel, once home to uh, Eastern literary refugees like Scott Fitzgerald, used to be here. Its Moorish bungalows, by the time Bianchi and Buono rolled by, were replaced by a white monolith building called Great Western Savings. Almost five decades later, today, the building still stands, but no longer houses a bank. Beyond this point, Sunset Boulevard curved in and out among giant billboards announcing a new album or a Las Vegas act, motels with adult movies, the body shop offering burlesque amateur contests Mondays and Wednesdays, and various bars and restaurants until the boulevard straightened out and entered the heavily policed hush of Beverly Hills. About halfway along the strip, Bono and Bianchi noticed a petite girl standing alone on the sidewalk. She stood in a driveway next to Carney's Express Limited, a diner converted from an old Union Pacific Railroad car. Bono drove well past her and pulled over. Bianchi got out as planned and crossed the road. There he sat down on a bus bench to wait. He was at the corner of Sunset and Sweetser, just down from the Golden Crest Hotel, its marquee proclaiming, and I quote, Retirement living at its finest, most luxurious residence in L.A., end quote. He could see the girl across the street still standing in the driveway of the railroad diner, obviously offering her body for sex in exchange for money. A minute later he caught sight of the Cadillac coming up sunset again. Buono drove slowly past the girl and turned left heading around the block once more. He was making it look, Bianchi figured, as though he had just spotted her. He would have made eye contact with her, continuing on as if he had not yet decided if he wanted to use her services. Then he would return. This time, Bono pulled into Carney's driveway. The girl came up to his window and they talked. Then the girl went around to the passenger's side and got in next to Bono. They sat chatting for a bit until the traffic thinned. The Cadillac then backed out onto Sunset, made a U-turn, passed the bench where Bianchi waited, and turned right on Sweetser, rolling slowly down the side street. Bianchi 
Sensing that Bono did not want to work the scam where there was so much traffic, followed on foot. Switzer ran down a steep hill, the lights of the city glimmering to the south. At the next corner, Bono turned right and pulled over. In seconds, Bianchi was there. He opened the front door on the girl's side, leaned in and said, showing his badge, that he was the police and that she was under arrest. The girl did not seem surprised, only disappointed. Bianchi told the girl to get into the back seat, which she willingly did, and he followed in beside her. Bianchi closed the rear door, and Bono pushed a button that locked all the doors. Bianchi, attempting his best to imitate a police officer, told the girl he needed to put her in handcuffs. He handcuffed her, palms outward. As Buono drove off, he said, and I quote, There was a guy standing in that parking lot. You got a pimp? End quote. The girl denied this, but Buono was not convinced. He headed back up Sunset and glanced into the parking lot of the railroad diner. It was empty. He headed east, not rushing, obeying the traffic laws. The girl, still under the impression she was under arrest by real law enforcement, asked if they were heading for the Hollywood division. Bono told her they were not. Instead, they were taking her to a special unit. The girl was silent as they drove through Hollywood turning east on Franklin to Western, north on Western to Los Feliz, east on their way to Glendale. Finally, she asked why she was being arrested. Bianchi told her she was being arrested for solicitation, then asked her if she had been arrested before. She had not. Bianchi studied her. She was tiny. She was wearing a light blouse and slacks and a dirty suede jacket. Her small leather purse sat in her lap. The handcuffs made her lean forward, her straight brown hair obscuring her face. She looked fourteen, sixteen at the outside. By his estimation, she wouldn't give them much trouble. The young girl said nothing more until Buono pulled all the way into his driveway, under the metal awning that joined the house and the shop. The Orange Grove apartments overlook the shop and the house from the rear, but peering down from a second or third floor apartment, all anyone could see was the roof. The two men was confident that they enjoyed complete privacy. There were no risk of prying eyes, and since the house was located where it was, no outsiders could hear anyone scream. Bono got out and walked over to the laundry room door at the side of the house, unlocking it. Sparky, the dog, was waiting on the steps, but knew not to enter the house. When the girl asked what kind of place they had brought her to, they replied that the house was in fact a satellite police station, quite unique. The men guided the girl into the house. She did not resist. She was still under the impression that the men were police officers, and that all she had in store was a night in jail, and perhaps a fine, 
worst case scenario, a few months behind bars. As Buono secured the deadbolt, Bianchi guided the girl into the living room and sat her down in the brown vinyl easy chair. He put her purse on the dining room table. Buono switched on some lights and approached the girl. Telling the girl to sit tight, the men went into the kitchen to agree to a game plan, decide how they would go from there. Buono reached under the sink and brought out a roll of masking tape about three inches wide. By blindfolding the girl, she would not be able to run away, even if she somehow managed to break free from her restraints. Then Buono lit up with a smile, told Bianchi to keep the girl busy talking while he fetched some items from his garage. Bianchi went into the living room and stood over the girl. She stared at the fish tank, avoiding his eyes. When he asked the girl her age, she replied that she was fifteen years old. To this, the much older man sneered and commented that she was a bit young to be, and I quote, out whoring. The girl wasn't much faced by this. She had been insulted and stepped on all her life, but she knew then that she was not in any kind of police station, and told Bianchi as much. He simply told her to shut. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener. And as a man, I was and am often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations. But never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serialkiller today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P 
facebook.com slash serial killer. When Bono returned, he called Bianchi into the kitchen again. From his shop, Bono had retrieved an orange work rag and a brick-sized piece of white foamy polyester material he used in stuffing car seats. He cut the foamy stuff in half with a pair of scissors and explained that they would put the material over each eye, secure it with tape, stuff the rag into her mouth, and secure that with the tape as well. It would be a good idea to make sure the masking tape went all the way around her head. Bianchi was offered to do the task, to gag the girl, but he asked if Buono could do it instead. He was getting a bit nervous. Buono shrugged and said okay, he would do it, but he needed Bianchi to stand behind the girl and hold her fast so that she did not squirm and thrash about too much. The two men returned to the living room, Buono holding the materials behind his back. They walked slowly up to her, and Bianchi moved behind her, resting his hands on her shoulders. Knowing that something was very wrong, the now very concerned girl asked what the hell was going on and started to get up. Bianchi pressed down. She started to scream. Being a very petite girl, she was no match for the athletic Bianchi to hold down. Buono produced the orange rag, rolled it into a ball, stuffed it into her mouth, unreeled a length of tape, sealed it over her mouth and wrapped the tape around her head three times, snipping it off with the scissors and rubbing it flat on the side of her face. Then he brought out the two pieces of foamy stuff and approached her eyes. She lowered her head, trying to avoid him. Bianchi shoved her down as she squirmed and tried to rise again. Bianchi pulled back on her forehead with one hand and yanked back on her hair with the other. Smiling, Bono pressed the foam into her eyes and wrapped it with tape around her head three times. The girl slumped, defeated. Bono took the tape back into the kitchen, replaced it under the sink, and put the scissors away in the drawer. Again, the two men retreated to the kitchen while the girl sat in the living room, trembling, in utter terror. Bono and Bianchi could not care less about the well-being of their captive. Their main concern was how they most effectively could get the girl naked, which was what they discussed in the kitchen. They returned to the girl. When commanded to stand up, the girl tried to obey, but lost her balance and fell back into the chair. They each took an elbow and helped her up and away from the chair. Bono found the handcuffs key on his keyring and removed them. He pulled off her jacket, walked with it over to the dining area and dropped it to the floor. A gold-smoked mirror wall behind the dining room table reflected the scene. Bono stared into the mirrored wall and liked what he saw. Everything was working. It was going to be great. In the smoky mirror, he watched Bianchi remove her blouse. Bono unhooked her bra as Bianchi placed her blouse on her jacket. Bono commented on how small the girl's breasts were. He rolled up the bra and tossed it to Bianchi, 
Then he put the handcuffs back on her so that she was forced to push out her chest. He liked that. Bianchi stood behind her again, holding her upper arms to steady her while Buono unzipped her pants. They eased her back into the chair. Buono removed her shoes and socks, told her to stand up again, and slid off her pants, telling her to lift one leg at a time. The girl complied. He let her stand there for a moment, nude except for her underpants. Then he pulled off her underpants, smiled up at Bianchi and gave the OK sign. He put her pants and underpants with the rest of her clothes, returned and grabbed an arm. While he led her into the spare bedroom, he kept reassuring the girl that she did not need to worry about anything. They were just going to have sex, and it wasn't as if she was a virgin now, was it? The idea was to try and keep the girl as calm as possible, until she again was properly restrained. The spare bedroom, on the east side of the house between the master bedroom and the bathroom, had nothing in it except a single bed. No other furniture, nothing on the walls. The spare bedroom had a simple function. He sat the girl on the bed and told her to lie down on her back, helping her get her legs up. She lay there, nude, gagged, blindfolded, handcuffed. Buono passed through the beading that hung down in place of a door between the spare bedroom and his bedroom. He turned on the light in his room and checked to see if it shone enough into the spare bedroom. Satisfied, he returned to Bianchi. The men discussed who should rape the girl first. In the end, they decided to flip a coin over it. Buono dug into his pocket and pulled out a quarter. Buono won. Grinning, he looked at the girl's nude body as he spoke to Bianchi. He told his cousin to rifle through the girl's possessions while he had his fun. She might have some money or valuables, which would be a nice bonus. Bianchi followed Buono's instructions to the letter. In her purse, he found two dollars and some change in a wallet with nothing else in it except a snapshot of two little boys, one about eight, the other maybe four. He went through her jacket pockets but found nothing. He heard noises, Buono's voice indistinct but harsh, commanding, and female squeals. He must have taken the gag off. Bianchi had a pretty good idea what his cousin was doing to the girl, and he liked it. The squeals turned him on. He wanted to see what Buono was doing, imagined Buono's big penis thrusting in and out of the petite girl. Bianchi waited until it was quiet, then entered the spare bedroom through Buono's room, parting the hanging beads. His cousin had left his socks on. He was lying atop the girl, who was on her back now, unmoving, knees up. The tape across her mouth had been partly ripped off, and the orange rag lay on the bed next to the wall. Bianchi figured Buono had gotten one or both of the things he liked best. As he suspected, Buono did not mind Bianchi entering the room. He smiled and told the younger man to bring his Polaroid camera. He wanted to document the scene. Bianchi fetched the camera from the bedroom closet. It had film in it, 
and a flash attached. Bianchi took the picture and tore off the film. Bono got off the guttle and told her to put her legs down. He took the camera and film from Bianchi and told him it was his turn. Bianchi said he wanted to see how the photo came out first. They waited a minute in the dim light. Buono peeled back the photograph. They were happy with the result, and Bianchi took off his clothes and climbed onto the gutter. After a few strokes, he breathed at her and said, and here I quote, Did he fuck you in the ass? Did he? Did he? Well, turn over, bitch. Turn over. Get ready for it. End quote. When Bianchi emerged from the spare bedroom, Buono had arranged her clothes in a neat pile on the dining room table. The two dollars and change were gone, and the purse sat atop the pile. The men smiled at each other. Then Buono told Bianchi to gag the girl again. He found a rag on the bed, told the girl to open her mouth, stuffed the rag back in, and sealed her mouth with a few strips of tape. He returned to Buono and watched him put the clothes and purse into a large green garbage bag. Buono ripped up the photograph and the negative and dropped them into the bag as well. Then, in a matter-of-fact voice, Buono said, and again I quote, Well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to strangle her? We got to strangle her. It's the only way to do this, unless you got some other ideas. End quote. Bianchi was slightly taken aback by this, that they actually would go through with murder, but eagerly agreed. They had already agreed on strangulation. Buono had been eloquent on the subject. He always liked talking about the best ways to kill. Shooting was too dangerous, he said. Gunshot wounds told too much of a story. They were messy, and bullets could be traced. Other methods, bludgeoning to death, chopping her up, poisoning, introduced too many complications. They had never worked out the details, but strangulation was definitely the way to go. Besides, the thought of watching a girl gasping for breath was appealing in itself, they agreed. When they returned to the bedroom, Buono approached the bed. In a soothing voice, he told the girl to sit up and explained that they would put her clothes back on. He eased on her underpants and slacks. He zipped up the slacks. Then he motioned to Bianchi that he was going to put her on the floor. Bianchi prepared to catch her. Bono lowered her to the floor. There, Bianchi bound her ankles as tightly as he could. Bono came back, holding a plastic vegetable bag the kind dispensed free at supermarkets. He seemed delighted with his ingenuity as he took a long cord from Bianchi and slung it around his neck. Bono was ready. He flexed his fingers and stood there, looking as efficient as a professional hangman. The girl lay on her back on the floor. Bono knelt behind her head, he looked up at Bianchi, nodded vigorously at him, and Bianchi lowered himself quickly onto the girl's legs, facing her, sitting on her knees. She started fighting back then, as she more than suspected that the man was planning on doing something terrible and 
she fought for her life. She screamed behind her gag, tried to roll to the side, tried to rise up at the waist. Bono pressed his knees down onto her shoulders. He opened the plastic bag with both hands, jammed it over her head, pulled the cord from around his neck and wrapped it quickly once around her neck, sealing the bag. Bianchi raised his legs, letting his full weight press down through his butt on her knees. Buono started to pull on the two ends of the cord, then shifted around and put one of the ends under his right foot, catching the knot against the side of the sole of his shoe, putting all his weight on that foot. Then he pulled on the other end of the cord with both hands and rose up, pulling, yanking. She was trying to buck and flex now. Her bagged, roped head hit Bono's foot, and he lost his balance, falling over backward, cursing. He regained his position, one foot on the end of the cord, both hands on the other end. He yanked with all his strength, pulling upward and backward, letting out grunts of effort, which mingled with the gargling death-rattles of the girl, who arched her back, fighting for her life. The pain and fear the girl must have felt is almost unimaginable. As I so often tell you, dear listener, strangulation is not a kindly murder method. It is one of the most sadistic ones. The vegetable bag puffed frantically in and out with her breathing, then less frantically, then barely, and then it stopped puffing. She stopped flexing. She stopped breathing. It was over. Buono and Bianchi had murdered their first victim together. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And with that, we come to the end of part two in this series, which will be several episodes covering the saga of the Hillside Stranglers two weeks I will bring to you part three. So, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>